Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on a Wednesday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. The clock is ticking now on the looming Major League Baseball lockout. The sport expected to go into a long, deep freeze, but... Before we got that, we've got a very, very robust free agent market. So at least a couple of days were fun, although not that fun for the Red Sox. So we'll talk about all of that with Tom Karen, our Red Sox and Bruins insider at Nesson. TC, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Let's start with the Red Sox. They've been largely absent from the big-time free agent market. A couple of signings we'll get to here momentarily. But I was reading one of your competitors yesterday who said the days of the Red Sox winning the offseason are just about over. Do you think the Red Sox need to be a team that wins the offseason in order to win in the regular season? No, I mean, I think they proved that last year, didn't they? I mean, it was a, it was a quiet offseason a year ago, and they wound up two wins away from the World Series. If there was, if there was any thought that Heim Bloom would change the way he operates uh, last season, I uh, should have wiped away those doubts because he did things his way last year. None of us were uh, were jumping up and down on the Hunter Renfro signing or the Kike Hernandez signing or Garrett Richards bringing back Martin Perez. I mean, you can make the argument that you know e- each guy was bringing something to the table, but nobody was rejoicing about the offseason last year, and they put together one of the surprising years we've seen from the Red Sox in a long time. So I, I you know, this is what Heim Bloom does, and last year I think. From an organization standpoint, just uh, just further cemented uh, that he's going to make moves that will not necessarily blow you away, but but when put together, the sum will be better than the parts, and that's what he's hoping for again in the coming year. I still think they're not done. <clears throat> Excuse me, and we'll see how you know the, the the labor stoppage, if and when it happens, impacts all of this. But you know, there's, there's trades to be made. There'll be some kind of mad rush after that. It factors into all of that. So we'll see. I you know. It's an incomplete grade right now because they don't play baseball for months. Yeah, I don't think they're done either, and I still think there are some pretty good-sized moves that could be made. But I made this point yesterday. I look at the teams that have won habitually over the last several years. I look at the Dodgers and I look at the Astros. And the answer seems to be, like, you want to build a team that where the answers are internal, not just where you have to, quote, win the offseason. There is a time to, like when you go sign Mookie, when you go trade for Mookie Betts, there's a time to win the offseason, but largely these guys are doing it with internal answers, and isn't that what Hyam Bloom is trying to build? Well, yeah, and, and I think you're also in a transition, you know, phase right now where he's still trying to get rid of some of the dead weight off that payroll, you know, and it's another year before it really starts to come off. A year from now, they got a lot of money coming off the books. Now, if, if, if two years from now, we're still having this conversation that he won't go spend money, that he won't go make big deals, then I think, as a fan, you've certainly got something to argue about. But right now, you know, they brought him in to sort of start to untangle the, the big knot that Dave Dombrowski had made in going for it and in winning a World Series. Again, Dombrowski did what he was asked to do, went all in, but he wiped out the farm system, and he, he tied up the payroll for years to come. We're still in that stretch. So, and yeah, to get to what you're talking about, where, where you are a sustainable organization, where the answers come from within, first you've got to start peeling away some of the fat that's been added to the payroll over the years. And I think that's what we're in the middle of watching. There are big names still out there. Kyle Schwarber, Marcus Stroman, guys that Red Sox fans are certainly interested in, guys that I'm interested in. If I told you the Red Sox got none of those names, they, they were they, no big deals this offseason from the outside, but they gave Rafael Devers an extension. 
would the off season be a success to you? Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, I yeah. If you tell me Devers is locked up long term, then then I would probably say yes. Um, but I I because of last year, right? And you look at last year two ways. One, as I said, it, it further cemented the high and bloom way of doing business. But two, it also raised the expectations. I mean, there's no reason this team shouldn't be competitive in 2022. And if they didn't do anything else at all. And, and if you're telling me Michael Waka is the sole addition to this team after losing Eduardo Rodriguez, then you're not as good a team, even though you've locked up Devers. So I, I would have to say, I guess, no, because I want Devers locked up, and that's a really important move for this team. But you ought to be able to make a complimentary piece or two. And I think the way to go is to improve this pitching staff through trade. You go to Oakland, you go to Cincinnati, you go to Miami, where they're all trying to get rid of payrolls and you pluck one of their pitchers. I think if you did that and sign Rafael Devers, it's been a great offseason. Tom Karen, Red Sox Bruins insider at Nesson with us here on the Brady Farkas Show as he is every Wednesday on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. The shortstop market is crazy like we expected it to be. Ten years, $325 million for Corey Seager. The price tag expected to be higher on Carlos Correa. Still really good money in years for Marcus Semien and Javi Baez. How does this all impact Rafael De- or I'm sorry, Xander Bogarts as he's got the ability to opt out after next season? It just means he's going to opt out after next season. And, that, you know, I think, I think the die was cast on that when Fernando Tatis Jr. signed his ridiculous deal uh, prior to last year. And I think once that happened, there's no doubt that if you're Bogarts, you will not be playing under this existing contract after next year. It doesn't mean he can't be here. It just means it has to be a different deal. It has to be ripped up and extended or ripped up and uh, a new deal made. But he's going to opt out. You'd be crazy not to. Because it's crazy money. And as you said, Korea is going to just move that bar that much higher. Uh, I, I think it all impacts. Uh, as much as Bogart wants it here, he left money on the table last time around. He won't leave it on the table this time. You know, one of my big takeaways so far, and I, I am with you. I love the way Heimblum does things. I don't think you have to win the off season, But the thing that I have realized is that there aren't as many freebies in the American League anymore. Tigers have gotten better. Seattle's gotten better. The Angels should be better if everybody can be healthy. Texas has gotten better. The Royals are supposed to be better. So just because the Red Sox got to the ALCS last year, it's not a free ticket there again this year. The AL as a whole is getting very deep and very competitive. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And, and we're a year or so away from the, you know, the guaranteed 15 wins against the Baltimore Orioles are going to start going away, too, because they've been building up their farm system for a long time. Some guys like Mountcastle last year really start to show you what they've got going in the minor league side. So uh, no doubt about that. I mean, if you look at the American League as a whole right now and, and laid it out based on rosters and expectations and all of that, you know, Red Sox are no more than a bubble team for the playoffs right now because you're not sure what you're going to get out of Chris Sale or Nate Evaldi. Uh, there's always an issue, although I'm, I'm done with that now. It's been two healthy years for Evaldi. He's one of the best pitchers in the game last year when you look at his stuff and you look at the analytics. So I, I, I think you're fine with Evaldi. But point is, you know, you're probably an 88-92 to 92 win team right now on paper which means you are, you know, 88 doesn't get you in, 92 might get you in, and that's where they are, like they were, you know, for, for the second half of last year. So you're right. Just because you were two wins away from the World Series doesn't mean you get to play a single postseason. Now, you know, tell me you're expanding the playoffs, which is part of what they're talking about in the labor agreement, 
uh, and, and then obviously your chances improve at that point. You know, I the the move to get Waka, I get it. James Paxton, they signed late last night on a flyer. He's not going to be ready until the middle of this season. I get that too. I'm all for the bargain basement shopping. I'm confused, though, about the money these guys are being given. Waka had an ERA of almost six last year, and he gets a $4 million raise out of the Red Sox, and Paxton won't be available until probably June at the earliest, and he gets $10 million. So for a team that has been frugal, why are these guys getting money that I think is better than their market would indicate? Well, I mean, these are almost identical deals to what they gave out last year. The Waka one's higher, I think, than Paxton is basically the Garrett Richards deal, right? He yep. replaces Richards. Same money, you know, probably same expectations. Uh, Waka is a little more clearly... Now, now, if you look at his last start, he kind of simplified his approach. And I know that the Red Sox talked to him, and Dave Bush, pitching coach, talked to him about kind of, uh, you know, throwing uh, less of an arsenal and, and focusing on a couple of pitches, which he did at the end of the season, and the results are really good. So... Clearly, they think there's more upside than a lot of people thought. But essentially, you've replaced Richards and Perez with, with Paxton when he's ready to pitch and Waka. And, and so it's not a surprise because, you know, we, were all, we all thought they were crazy for paying uh, Richards $10 million last year. Uh, and it didn't go well at the beginning of the year, though he uh, you know, reclaimed himself in the bullpen. Uh, but, but these guys, listen, this is one thing I think you'll see from High and Bloom forever as long as he's here with the Red Sox. He will overpay on one-year deals, overpay on two-year deals, overpay on one-year deal with an option. Uh, they, they, it's the years. It's the, it's the long-term, you know, the, the six-year deals with uh, over $100 million. You are not going to see many of those from there. TC, what do you think of this report that came out yesterday that Major League Baseball used two different baseballs this yeah. year? Yeah, well, I, again, baseball can't seem to get out of its own way, right? I mean, it's the, you know, you, you had to crack down on the sticky stuff in the middle of the season, which wound up working out okay, and it was all quiet by the end of the year. But what a debacle in the middle of the season for that to be the most important and biggest story. And now this, that there are two different baseballs, and nobody knew. You know, if, you, if you're going to use two baseballs, you, I, I, to me, going into a labor negotiation, you don't want to be doing something that the players feel blindsided by. Uh, and, and I just, you know, the baseball and, and hockey used to be like this. They talk about the NHL all the time, changing rules mid-season, tweaking things as the season went along. you got to do this stuff in the offseason. you got to experiment with baseballs in spring training. You can't be doing it in the middle of the season. And, uh, yeah, for that to come out yesterday was, uh, was, was a shocker, no doubt about it. TC, I'll get you out of here on a Bruins-related question. Brad Marchand suspended for three games. He said he's basically tired of his previous image uh, carrying through into the modern day. Think he's got a good point there? Well, he does, but that, that's life. I mean, your rap sheet is your rap sheet. It doesn't go away. There's no, uh, there's no statute of limitations on, on, on who you are or who you were. It's all part of you. And there's no doubt he's evolved. He doesn't do half the stupid stuff he used to have. He doesn't do 80% of the stupid stuff he used to. He doesn't need to. He's become one of the elite all-around players, one of the best scorers in the National Hockey League. But this is what you carry with you. This is who you have been. Uh, and and when, you, when you have the slip-up, when you make the mistake, uh, they're going to dust that off and, and go back on your record. And it's the same for all of us in all of our lives. I, 
you know, you, we all have to answer for mistakes we've made in the past. And, and you can talk to me blue in the face, hey, I'm different, that's not me anymore, that's fine. But it's part of who you were. Uh, I get what he's saying, but I, I wasn't surprised at all that it was such a heavy-handed uh, suspension. And it was. That's three games a lot. A lot of guys get nothing for that, maybe a fine. Uh, and, but he's paying the price because Brad Marsh has, has spent a lot of time in the principal's office. And when he goes back to the principal's office, the principal's not happy. And so here we are again. Tom Karen, Red Sox Bruins insider at Nesson TC. We appreciate your time as always. Next week we'll be talking. We'll talk about baseball, but I don't know how much there's going to be to talk about. Is the lockout? Uh, Are we allowed to? Is that part? Is there a gag order? I don't. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about. Baseball. I'm allowed to talk about it. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about it. Yeah, I'm allowed. We'll talk. You know, here I will say this, and and the reports I've heard are, are neither side is, has been, you know, overjoyed with the other side. What I do like is that there hasn't been a lot of detail coming out in the press. And I think that's good. Think about this time, you know, going into the 2020 season where every day we read, yeah, well, we couldn't even, you know, they couldn't get on the field in the middle of COVID because they couldn't agree. But we were reading details. And I, I, I just get so upset that they were negotiating through the press. I will give them credit for not negotiating publicly. Now, my worry is if it breaks down at midnight tonight and tomorrow we get a slew of reports from both sides saying, you know, they want this, and that's a joke. If that happens tomorrow, then I'm worried about where this all goes. If there's a lockout tonight at midnight, or they can't come to an agreement and they announce a lockout tonight at midnight, it doesn't really matter for, for another month or six weeks anyway until you start getting closer to spring training. If the lockout comes or the breakdown comes and there's still not much detail, then I feel pretty good that they'll get a deal done. So keep an eye on that. Uh, if there's a lot of venting in the media – this could get really ugly. But if it's just a quiet, you know, no, we didn't reach an agreement, but we're going to keep talking, then I think we're in pretty good shape. Well, fingers crossed. It was an exciting last week for the sport, and we'd like to keep the momentum going as best we can. So, TC, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks. I appreciate it, Brady.